views and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Unhealthy Parenting Pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Enriquez, and joining us today is our co-producer, Bahati Banks. Bahati. Hey, Jason. How you doing? I'm doing. You're doing. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Glad to be here with you. So according to the National Center for Catastrophic Sport Injury Research, since 2000, there have been more than 290 reported football-related deaths among youth, high school students, as well as post-high school athletes. Of those, 30 college players have died as a result of college football workouts. Workouts. And the cause, uh, heat stroke, which is completely preventable, according Uh, to the research. With football season upon us, we invited Dr. Jeremy Frank to today's show. He's a board-certified pediatric orthopedic surgeon who specializes in sport medicine um, at Joe D, and he will talk to us about football training safety tips that both parents as well as student athletes should be aware of. I mean, that's very, very important, especially since we're winding down from the summer season. I just didn't know that there was so much incidence. I mean, I'd, I've never seen anything on, on at least my news feeds about that. I mean, usually if, if you hear about, you know, death is because of an injury, it's because mm-hmm. of something, you know, you hit too hard in the head, but right. heat stroke? Heat stroke? So heat stroke falls into, there are two types of um, categories that okay. researchers um, put. It, it, there's direct and indirect. So direct huh. is exactly like you said, uh, spinal injury mm-hmm. or brain trauma. Right. That typically leads to uh, death for, for athletes. But then there's indirect um, situations where you have like heat illness, heat right. stroke. So um, there are two different causes when you're talking about a- athletes dying um, on the field. And interestingly, during my research, I found out that the majority of deaths are actually caused by indirect, like heat really? stroke, il- yep, illness versus um, direct, which is really fascinating. You wouldn't think that you would th- because, because you think because football because it's totally preventable. And yeah, right. exactly. That's that's why when you know, I read the heat stroke. I was mm-hmm. like, um, really? Mm-hmm. So before we get to today's guest, uh, today's coffee chat segment, we're going to go into a little bit um, some more detail about the simple solution for preventing heat stroke or heat illness in athletes, and that's cooling tubs. You mean there's just more than just drinking water? Yeah, it's actually... Yes, more simpler than that. It is beyond drinking water because when you're talking about the temperature, your core temperature of an athlete shooting up, mm-hmm. um, usually around 104, oh that's when you have to take immediate action. So we'll get into that oh. during our coffee chat. Okay, well, before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. Our new Joe DiMaggio Children's Health Specialty Center is now open in Wellington. And your family is our family's specialty. So get to know us at jdch.com slash wellington. Hi, I'm Shannon, and I'm a child life specialist, and you are listening to the Healthy Parenting Podcast, pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Welcome back. Before we get to today's special guest, let's share what's making news in the parenting world. All right. So how cooling tubs can prevent heat stroke. So I, I don't know if you knew about, um, read about recently a, uh, a young man, he was about 14 years old in Tampa. He recently passed away, unfortunately. He was a high school football player um, practicing during mm-hmm. the drills, uh, the strength and conditioning drills, I believe, and he unfortunately um, succumbed to heat stroke. 
They um, were not able to resuscitate him. You know, his peers and coaches saw that he wasn't, you know, acting right. He was a little confused, lethargic. Mm. And within, I believe, just it happened all it happened very very quickly very suddenly right um and i think it was the hillsborough county school district actually stopped or halted um their football training because right. they wanted to make sure that the coaches all the responsible adults mm-hmm. that um have a responsibility to these children are made aware of like emergency action protocols which we'll get into later with our guests um are followed because you were sharing with me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, about it, your son. Yes, yes. I, I just what I want to You said that they're halting it now to make sure now. Mm-hmm. After the fact, it was why? A knee-jerk reaction. Why isn't exactly? Well, why wasn't this you know a, a priority before certifications? Correct. It's literally like um, going to a pool, having a lifeguard there, mm-hmm. and they're not certified in CPR. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I don't see how you can have a, a coach training in heat, strength conditioning. And then they are unable to pick up on the signs yeah. when, when their players are in trouble. That that's shocking. You would be surprised at how many um, high school uh, coaches aren't aware of the safety protocols that that need to be in place. But not, not it's not about them not being aware. They should be certified. No, they, they should be, they, but they should it's be not mandated. That's the problem. How is that possible? Trust me. That's the question. <laughs> that's, the, that's the question on a lot of people's minds. So according to the National Center for C- Catastrophic Sports Injury Research, um, between 1995 and 2018, about 64 football players have died from heat stroke. Uh, 47 high school students, 13 college students, mm. two professional and two organized youth students So or uh, individuals. So as you can see, the majority um, of football Football players have been in high school or college um, when something like this happens. So the solution, the the main point I, w- I want to make sure we drive home today mm-hmm. is reducing the body's core temperature and minimizing the duration of hyperthermia, all, all, also known as heat stroke or heat illness, mm-hmm. is essential in reducing the risk of potential organ damage or death. Um, heat illness progresses in four different levels. One is dehydration, of mm-hmm. course. You know, like I, I just my my throat is parched, my 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 mouth is parched. You know, you, you just feel like you need something to drink. And we've all felt that. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. Um, the second phase is heat cramps. Um, cramps. Heat cramps. Third is heat exhaustion, with and without intervention may lead to the final um, phase, which is heat stroke, where the core body temperature exceeds 104 degrees. So it's really imperative for coaches, like I said, even other football players on the field um, to recognize these symptoms. um, Because if you recognize those symptoms and you see that it's progressing, you know to take action. So, of course, that's nausea, confusion, fatigue, weakness, vomiting, muscle cramps. These are all the things that you want to make sure that you're looking out for and that you're aware of um, if you see a, a player on the field having trouble. And according to all the medical research, when these signs of heat exhaustion or heat stroke appear, there is a 100% survival rate when someone with a 104 degree body temperature is immersed in ice cold water within five to 10 minutes of diagnosis, and this is before they get transferred to the emergency Mm -hmm. room, before they leave the field, if you immerse their body in this cooling tub or cooling water, it 
it increases their chances of surviving. And that, based on my research, is what's not happening. So our coaches may not be in educated in this, nor do they have the basic tools maybe? to Correct. To, to, to. And if it's not mandated, you figure, and it's not. Most most high schools and colleges are not mandated to follow this simple practice. Well, I'm pretty sure that when my child was in football practice, I don't remember seeing an ice bucket or any ice anywhere besides just a... In the Gatorade. Just, yeah, just, just, yeah, just a Gatorade. And um, that, that's, that puts into perspective... You know, when my child was was exhausted and sweating and, and, you know, too afraid to get off the line because he didn't want to be told to do more um, sprints or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember, he, you know, many times he'll come back and he'll be completely soaked. He'll be parched and say, you know, Dad, you know, did you bring my water? I'll say, yeah, but didn't you drink? Well, we, you know, we mm-hmm. didn't have time. We, we didn't get enough time for a break for that. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, hmm. So if I read this, this would have put a po- totally different perspective right. on me, because uh, I, of course, I was able to to, to watch all his games and, mm-hmm. and to take him to majority of his practices, not all his practices. Yeah. So I watched it. And I'm sitting there like, yeah, you pumped that air, you <laughs> you you sweat it out. But now to know that 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 he might have been maybe sometimes he might have, he might have been overexerting himself, mm-hmm. and I didn't know the signs, and, the, and, the, and either the coach didn't know the signs or or didn't want to know the signs. Um, huh. Sports. There's a really interesting quote I wanted to um, just read real quick. If an athlete and it goes, it's directly, has directly what, what you said. If an athlete is forced to continue mm-hmm. by an over-demanding coach, the downward spiral will continue. And that's something that mm-hmm. um, we'll get into later, but I remember you asking the question, like, what if your coach, you yeah. know, is a hard ass? But and it's they are not allowing kids to drink water, mm-hmm. to take a break. They're talking about they're lazy. You know, what? Mm-hmm. How, how should a parent, if you're even there, mm-hmm. in your case you were, mm-hmm. how should a parent react? Exactly. Given this information. Exactly. That's different. You, you would speak up more. You, you wouldn't sit there and kind of just like, you know, listen to your coach. Mm-mm. You know, but the coaches, you know, it, it's... It's a cliche, the, the you know the, the the really hard ones you see on TV, but that's based on real life. Mm-hmm. These coaches are that intense. They're mm-hmm. that, and they will if you break line to go get to get a drink of water before you're allowed to do a break because they give you specific breaks to do that. Uh, um, yeah, you will be made to do more. Yes, or, be like, cha- or or told to make do more laps, or you're not following the instructions, or or pick up the pace, or or there there are. Uh, punishments, uh, punishments is, is you know, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. for not you know following through on the mm-hmm. on the, on the routine, the regimen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. breaking breaking the line to go get some water. Yeah, mm-hmm. you will be um, scolded mm-hmm. uh, out loud in front of everybody, and and made made to feel you know inferior. And I've seen it, mm-hmm. and so. You know, and this is just me saying, okay, well, you know, it's a sport, so what are you going to do? And you grind your teeth. And you, but it's after this. It's a very this, old school approach. Very old school. Like I you, think you, that's what we're But there's, there's, there's a fine line between, between pushing your child to, to, to do their best and then overexerting them. And, yes. and that line is so thin. Yes. Because how do you know he's lazy and just not, just not really thirsty? How do you know that? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you, you, you have to gauge it. And mm-hmm. I'd say, listen, you're thirsty. You know, water. Go for it. Go for it. I wouldn't stop you. Exactly. Because not only. And uh, are these coaches responsible for your children's well-being? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also responsible for any injuries that may occur. Correct. Both, both, you know, uh, physically, mentally, uh, and even, it, God forbid, getting into, into what we're our discussion right now, key strokes and, and death. Could right. You, could you imagine being a coach, knowing that you're that hard and you 
you know, you push, you push, you push, and then one of your players uh, uh, died, and not only did they die, but you didn't recognize it, and you pushed mm-hmm. it further. That would, I don't know, I don't know how you, uh, one would feel. There is a coach, I can't remember the state, that was brought up on charges because of that very thing. Of course. Uh, a player lost his life, and of course the parents are like, who, who to blame? You know, obviously I couldn't do anything about it, but you entrust your children's safety and health, like you said, and well-being, and with these coaches and athletes. We happens. take it for granted that that the coaches, volunteer or through academics, are certified and are and have the knowledge um, that that you would accept expect them to to have. And mm-hmm. I have to go back to the whole: you go into a pool and there's a lifeguard there. Mm-hmm. You're assuming that that lifeguard knows how, how to, to swim. swim, right? How to do CPR? How, how to do CPR? <laughs> you, sure. you know, we're taking it for granted, but you know, nobody walks around with their certification. It's a shame that I guess we have to be more mindful. To yes. maybe maybe vet our coaches. Yes. What do you know about heat stroke? What do you know about the signs? Yes. Uh, you know what do you what do you, what is your your policy on a on a, on a child who's, who seems to be completely exhausted? You know, will you let them you know re- re- rest? Will you you know yep. maybe? And I think uh, yeah. you know, my son hasn't been in football for a year or two because mm. you know, but he he'd like to go back into sports. Mm. And you've put put a whole checklist now mm-hmm. on, on on it's my so on my list. Of, so okay, important. well so. Uh, coach so and so um are you are you no maybe you should just i guess we have to be you know what we as parents need to stop being so uh, taking things for granted and be i guess more educated ourselves and yes. be more diligent yes. with um our providers our educators yes. our, our anything out there yeah. and, and have to ask the questions because the worst thing I think in the world is for a parent to have to bury their own child, especially mm-hmm. if it's something that could have been prevented. Mm-hmm. Heat stroke and this is absolutely preventable. And mm-hmm. and I could never, yeah, the coach would be responsible, but me as a parent, I'd be like, I, I should have, maybe I could have kind of thing. That's exactly why we want to talk about this today. Absolutely. Before we get to today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. Welcome back. And thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast pitched by Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Thank you so much, Dr. Frank, for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Wonderful. So before we get started, could you please share with our audience your role within the Pediatric Orthopedic Surgery Department at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital? Yeah, I am a uh, a pediatric uh, orthopedic surgeon, fellowship trained, uh, and I predominantly focus on sports medicine injuries. So we take care of a lot of pediatric and adolescent athletes who have injuries to their knees, such as ACL or meniscus tears, who injure their shoulders or hips, such as labral tears, and we provide coverage to uh, all 29 Broward high schools, public wow. high schools. All right. Now, now Dr. Frank, uh, you also just returned from serving at the U.S. Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. What was that experience like? I, I have been working with USA Wrestling, the national governing body for USA Wrestling, uh, for the last 12 to 13 years uh, as a, a physician in their medical team. And I travel around the world with them to cover various events such as world championships. Uh, and I went out to the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs in order to 
take care of not just the Olympic uh, and national wrestling team, but also all the Olympic and Paralympic athletes in other sports. Wow. And so we took care of uh, USA Gymnast, the men's gymnastics team, the boxing team, um, swimming, volleyball, uh, USA basketball. So it was an opportunity to work with athletes, not just from wrestling, but from all different uh, walks of the athletic world and universe. It absolutely sounds like you had your hands full. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, so it, was, it was a great experience. Awesome. So with summer football training season upon us, we wanted to discuss with you some safety tips uh, that parents as well as student athletes should be aware of, um, especially given yep. the tragic death of the 14-year-old high school student in Tampa last June. Uh, he tragically passed away while practicing conditioning drills uh, with his football team and what happened after that, I believe it was the Hillsborough County School District actually um, halted their summer football training practices because they wanted really? to make sure that their coaches were up to speed on the regulations and policies. So we thought it would be a good idea to talk to you today again, Dr. Frank, about, again, just safety tips um, for student athletes who are practicing this summer um, for football. So according to the CDC, exertional heat stroke or heat illness is the leading cause of preventable death among high school athletes. Could you explain what exertional heat stroke is or heat illness and how it can be yeah. prevented? Yeah, happy to do so. But uh, unfortunately, the student athlete in Tampa is not just a uh, uh, one-time occurrence. This is a uh, unfortunate epidemic around uh, practicing in the summer, specifically football practices across the country. Right, and yes. so we know that, yeah, and, you know, th there's been an uh, excellent expose on this uh, on um, Real Sports on HBO. HBO. If you have a chance to go on U YouTube, you can watch it. Mm -hmm. And uh, really what, it, what exertional um, or heat exertion is, is a spectrum of illness where your core body temperature is rising too high uh, to unsustainable levels. <clears throat> and so at first you might just have heat illness, which is where your core body temperature gets up to a certain point, but you're able to cool back down. Uh, and eventually it can turn into heat stroke, where your core body temperature is so high that you begin having seizures oh <clears throat> and really uh, essentially killing the proteins in your body lose consciousness and if you're not treated immediately by being placed into usually an ice cold tub uh, in order to decrease your core body temperature the risk of death is very high so there's been a persistent effort amongst uh, athletic trainers orthopedic sports medicine surgeons primary care non-operative sports medicine doctors uh, athletic directors and coaches to really get the awareness out there of what heat illness is and how to look out for the warning signs for it and treat it immediately once you see it. Wow. Thank you for that explanation. Um, so in terms of preventing it, it sounds like you said it happens in stages, right? First, um, it's just you know, your, body, your body temperature heats up and you may experience some symptoms, but normally your body yeah. temperature cools down. But in this case, it, it, it just sounds like it, 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 it can ex escalate very quickly. Yeah, I mean, especially in warm weather states like Arizona, um, 
Florida, California. And so there's been rules and regulations that have been uh, put in place to try and limit the exposure uh, to this kind of illness to the student athlete. So uh, there shouldn't be practices between uh, usually around 11 or noon all the way up until 4 p.m. to limit, you know, the mm-hmm. peak sun period. Uh, student athletes need to hydrate appropriately before mm-hmm. they get to practice and then periodically when they're at practice. And the amount of exertion that the student athlete should be put through, the amount of exercise that the student athlete is put through, should be limited during peak sun period so as not to cause their core body temperature to rise too high. Dr. Frank, um, are, are coaches by any chance uh, required to be get certified in any kind of uh, knowledge of this for, for, for training uh, athletes? Well, the last I heard, uh, they are not, which is unfortunate. So um, I believe the, um, the the collegiate football player who died um, at the University of Maryland was being uh, taken through a strength and conditioning workout, and his strength and conditioning coach really did not know the signs or symptoms of heat uh, illness, heat exhaustion, or heat stroke, uh, and, and unfortunately that player died as a result of it. So uh, what would be fantastic is if high school and collegiate coaches uh, had to go through some certification process so that they understood what these symptoms are and learned how to appropriately identify and immediately treat the symptoms in these patients. And really just one basic thing, one basic thing could solve this whole problem, and that's having an ice cold tub available at all high schools and all colleges. Because oftentimes these patients, once they go into heat stroke, don't have time to get to the emergency room and get IV uh, fluids to cool them down. If they can simply be placed in an ice-cold bath immediately, that significantly improves their chance of survival. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. One symptom that I've I've, uh, heard uh, could could be a sign of heat stroke, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there's a point where your body temperature rises so high that you begin to feel cold and get the shivers? Is that is that uh, accurate? Well, what happens is your body temperature rises so high that you stop sweating, uh, essentially. So there's no more perspiration. You become cold and clammy on your skin. Okay. Your extremities shut. Your extremities shut down, uh, and blood is shunted towards your your central core. Uh, you lose perfusion to your brain, and so patients oftentimes become disoriented. Uh, have loss of consciousness. They may even go into seizure. And if your body temperature rises so high, unfortunately, it's like you know cooking meat. Your your, your tissues start to actually cook uh, and denature the proteins in your body and in your muscle and in your brain tissue. And it's a uh, obviously a life threatening situation. That sounds terrible. That's awful. So, um, Dr. Frank, what safety tips would you give parents? Prior to sending their sons to football camp, uh, during my research, obviously you, you can't know it all as a parent, but what tips would you give in terms of like making sure your their child has a pre-participation physical, um, making sure that, you know, like their coaches know about m- any medical conditions, drugs that they're taking? What tips would you give? For yeah, people? so no, number one, uh, certainly a pre-participation physical is really critical. Uh, as a matter of fact, Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital offers free EKGs. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to do with heat stroke, but another huge cause of uh, sudden onset death in student athletes is something called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, where the walls of their heart are too thick. And that can oftentimes be picked up on an EKG. So 
getting a pre, you know, especially when they're going into high school and college, getting that pre-participation physical, getting a preseason EKG to make sure your heart rhythm is normal, uh, staying properly hydrated before, during, and after practice, not practicing outdoors in peak sun exposure, uh, and just remembering if you're not feeling good, no sport, no sport is worth your life. And so if you're not feeling good, if you're feeling lightheaded, if you're feeling dizzy, if you feel like you're going to faint, stop, get into a cool environment, cool off. You can always resume practice once you're feeling better. And that actually dovetails into my next question. Um, my son actually was in, in football. And, you know, I had the pleasure of, of being present for his for his um, uh, training. And the coaches are really, they're, they're really rough. They're really hard. You know, if, if you don't, if you... Are tired they, they keep pushing you if they if they um if you're if, god forbid you're thirsty and, and stop what you're doing to get something to drink when you're not told um you get reprimanded you get scolded what would you how, how would you advise a parent um witnessing this or or even an athlete who you know i'm thirsty i, I know i'm thirsty my body is craving water but i know that if i get off the line to have a drink and then get back on the line i will be scolded i'll be told to work even harder i will i will get punished i don't want to do additional work what would you, um, what advice would you give a parent or an athlete? Well, I can tell you that uh, watching Olympic-level wrestlers train and compete for the last decade, I've never seen one Olympic-level wrestler be scolded for drinking water during practice. And so any coach uh, who is telling a student athlete that they can't stay hydrated, that they can't take a minute to breathe, maybe needs to have their priorities recheck because there's no there's no reason that a student athlete should not be hydrated during a practice and if they have to take one minute to get a drink that certainly won't decrease their ability to perform on the field on the court on the mat in the pool and so if a if a coach cannot understand that it's likely the parent's responsibility to step in and exert some parental influence that's the perfect answer Thank you so much. Great advice. I did have one question. Um, I was reading another article about a young man in college who passed away, again, practicing for football. And this happened actually at night. And I was I was curious, is it true that at we think that, you know, the temperature drops at night because the sun is away? Mm -hmm. But is it is it is it safe? I mean, I know it's safer because the sun isn't out, but does the temperature? Well, look, yeah. yes, the, te- the temperature does drop at night, but uh, we're doing this uh, podcast here in South Florida, and we can all attest that at night, it's still plenty hot and plenty humid. Correct. And so even though, the, even, even though the sun isn't out to bake the athlete, uh, there's still plenty of heat and humidity index present to uh, cause heat stroke or heat illness, depending on the exertional level of the athlete. So it's important to pay attention to at all times specifically during peak sun time, but uh, you need to be aware of this condition all the time. Great. Thank you so much. Dr. Frank, there's actually on our uh, outline right here, there's a term called heat acclimatization. Uh, can you uh, describe what that is exactly or what, what process that is that an athlete can do to, to, for, 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 you know, to train for the weather? Well, I mean, I think it's the same as uh, if you're training for altitude. So when I was at the Olympic Training Center, they had a high-altitude training room where they could adjust the altitude and the oxygen levels in the room. So just like if someone from sea level in Florida goes out to Denver, which is 5,200 feet above sea level, 
They need to slowly build their cardiovascular mm. shape to be able to tolerate long runs there. The same should be true for someone who's in Denver coming to Florida and is not used to this heat and humidity, that you need to get used to this heat and humidity, and you can't just go all out uh, on your first couple of uh, you know days of practice knowing that you're not acclimated to this humidity index. Excellent, excellent. Well, you've provided some extremely um, uh, great advice for parents as well as student athletes. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we end today's episode? I mean, as far as heat illness, I would say you should really go on our website, which is um, www.kidbones.net. That's kidbones.net. And we actually have a variety of information regarding heat illness, uh, heat exhaustion, heat stroke. Uh, and one thing to really look out for is uh, your urine color. You know, that oh. will give you an example of how hydrated you are. So the more clear your urine is, the more hydrated you are. The more yellow and dark your urine is, the less hydrated you are. And if you ever have any brown or red urine, you need to see it, seek uh, medical treatment right away to make sure you don't have any uh, blood in your urine or you're not breaking down your muscle tissue too much. So I, I think there's a wealth of information out there. Um, you can certainly stop by our website and take a look at it. Um, but, uh, you know, just be aware of these conditions. Thank you so much, Thank Dr. Frank. Thank you so much, Dr. Frank. We really Dr. appreciate Frank. your time. No problem. My pleasure. Have a great day. You too. And thank you for tuning in with the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, and visit our Joe DiMaggio Facebook fan page.